Do you think you're a follower or a leader? Many people don't believe that they have the capacity to lead. They feel they need to follow. Nobody likes to be called a conformist or even a follower. But still, push comes to shove, many people would like direction, guidance. If others are doing it, I'll go along. The concept of a pioneer is considered to be a unique thing for a minority, for those gifted, for those that have the courage, or for those that actually have the pain in their lives that drives them to pioneer something. The truth is, you have within you a leader. You have within you a pioneer. And the time has come for you to access it, to allow it to emerge, to actualize the pioneer within you. The question is how? Being that we grow up in a world where we are shaped and impacted by so many forces around us, beginning from our early impressionable years as children in our parents' home, their attitudes, education, friends, society, media. I mean, wherever you go, the marketing of this world, people are marketing all the time to us. They're selling us things and trying to manipulate our emotions. And very often it works. That's why marketing and advertising is effective. So it's hard to discover, therefore, your own inner voice. But you can actually do it. And we have a role model. We have a, a, we have a, a, a role model that can teach us how to do it. And that is the story of the biblical Abraham. Everybody has heard of Abraham. Father of all nations. All the major religions in the world see Abraham as the first pioneer, the trailblazer, the nonconformist, the one who introduced God to the world. Monotheism, faith, values, charity, justice, virtue. But what made Abraham tick? And how did he become this great Abraham? So though it's thousands of years ago, there are many things that are as relevant today more than ever that we can learn from Abraham. And indeed, when we look closely at his life, it didn't just happen out of the blue. Besides the fact that he had the personality and he was a seeker, and that I was an honest person seeking the truth, I was not just buying in what others sold him, but he also went through life experiences and harsh life experiences. And indeed, the sages tell us that he was tested. In Hebrew, there's a word for a test called nisayin, which I'll explain momentarily is much more than a test. But the literal interpretation is like tests. You can call them challenges. Situations that came his way that he could easily have succumbed to or surrendered and given up and retreated, and instead he overcame. And that helped forge and shape Abraham into who he became, that pioneer. And each of us will be presented with the same 10 tests in our lives. Now the word for Nisayan, as I mentioned, is more than just test. It also comes from the word miracle, actually. The word Nes in Hebrew also means a flag. Because what these things do is they uplift you. What does resistance do in life? So many of us don't like resistance. We'd like things to just go smoothly. But without resistance, you would have no energy. You would have no pulsating power. Every force of energy has a positive and negative, needs resistance. 
you want to know how strong my hand is, the only way to know is by resisting, pushing against it, and I have to push forward. When you want to see, for example, all the forms of energy created in the world, let's take um, simple energy like um, water, energy generated by water. Now, water is running at a certain pace with a certain power, but when you build a dam, something that blocks the water, then it builds up, it builds up to the point that it breaks through and has tremendous, enormous amount of power. Nuclear, nuclear fusion and nuclear fission is another example. So what you have in all these examples is that resistance in life brings out the best in us. To use the expression from the Talmud, an olive does not produce oil until you press it. And you see in life, we should all have the minimal amount of pressure, especially not painful. But firstly, in life, everyone's going to go through different challenges. But it's the challenges that shape, they forge us into who we become. No business can function without a mission statement. Can you? I created a special course. Discover your personal mission statement. Check it out in the description below. The stronger a person is, rest assured, there was something they had to overcome to build that strength. Now, obviously, we have natural strengths, but it becomes far stronger when we exercise it, when we push ourselves. And that's exactly what happens. The resistance, the so-called refraining, like when you pull back to shoot a bow and arrow, the farther back you, you pull back, the farther you can shoot the arrow. To use that example, a pump, the contraction and expansion of the heart. Exhale, inhale. I mean, the examples are everywhere in nature, everywhere you, you turn. So each of us have these 10, we'll call it pressure points, or 10 challenges that will uplift us. So it's not just a test and a challenge. It's a resistance that when you overcome it, you become stronger. So let's go through these 10 steps. And we'll discover the 10 steps to greatness, how to become a pioneer. So what were the 10 challenges that Abraham faced? So there are different opinions. I'm going to go with one classic one. I'll first spell out the 10 actual challenges. And then we'll spell them out in psychological and practical terms that can be applied to each one of us. And it's quite fascinating because it also makes you look at your life in a different way. You start realizing things that you feel can be a pain or something you just want to get rid of can actually be the force that will turn you into the greatest person you can be. So here are the ten, in this case of Abraham. The first was in his childhood, his early childhood, when he had to be hidden for a number of years because there were other forces, namely the pagan world, that saw this child as a troublemaker because he was a challenger. He did not accept the status quo. He challenged. So he needed to be hidden. And that affected his life, obviously you know, child in the formative years. And we'll discuss it more in detail. I'm just now laying out the 10 in brief. As he got older, the second test, the second challenge, was when Nimrod, the great king of the time, this is in Mesopotamia, was th- threw him, seeing him as a threat, into a fiery furnace for refusing to accept the arch idol that was in his city, the city of ur at the time. And his continued commitment to a higher truth and the searching for God. 
that threatened the powers that be, and he was thrown into a furnace, and he came out intact. Test number two. Number three. One is, number three is directly stated, and actually in this week's Torah portion, and that is Lech Lecha. When God commands him, leave your homeland. Leave your birthplace. Leave the home of your parents. And go to the place I will show you. This is the beginning of the journey of Abraham. So this is, of course, the upheaval and change to leave from one place to another. Number four, there was a great famine. Even though God blessed him with with blessings of prosperity, there was a famine. So it could have shaken Abraham's faith. Where are the blessings? And yet he overcame that as well. Number five, the story in the Bible about how Pharaoh abducted Abraham's wife Sarah, which was a tremendous test. And ultimately, obviously, Abraham overcame that test and was reunited with Sarah in a peaceful and beautiful way. Number six was the war that Abraham fought with the different kings of the time. Number seven, the covenant. That when Abraham hears from God about his grandchildren, his, his progeny, his children, will ultimately be subjugated and suffer at the hands of different nations. And even though he hears all that, he makes a covenant with God, the Brisbane Absarim, an eternal covenant that stands till this day. Number eight, the commandment of circumcision to take from his very flesh and circumcise himself. And from then on, every Jewish male, every child at eight days old. That's another challenge. Number nine, when he hints to banish his son Yishmael from the home because of his negative influences. You can imagine a father has to banish his child. That's a big challenge. And finally, the ultimate challenge of all, the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, where he was tested where he was tested, where he was ready to offer Isaac to God. Ultimately, he didn't have to offer him, but it was a test to see the power of Abraham's faith, to even sacrifice his beloved child, Isaac. So there you have the ten. As I said, there are different opinions, but now let's apply these ten to our lives, because each one of them plays itself out, not exactly in the way it happened then physically, but psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, absolutely. The first is the challenge of childhood. The fact is that who we are as adults is most impacted by the impressionable, innocent years of our childhood. And that's a test. That's a challenge in life. Because firstly, no parents are perfect. Then we can have a situation where you can grow up in a home where the parents actually are dysfunctional of a dysfunctional home. And this will impact a person's life. It's a challenge. Even if we grow up in a very nurturing home, there's still other challenges because the child is innocent, as I said, defenseless, vulnerable, and impressionable. So just as we talk about Abraham and his childhood, his challenging challenges in his childhood years, the, child, the challenge of a childhood is the nurturing, the love, the validation, affirmation that we receive that will empower us to become strong and confident adults? And should that be lacking in any way? God forbid. 
the challenge to overcome that. So that's the first challenge of life. To look, at your, to look back in your life, what happened in your childhood, and see the things that may need to be improved, things that you can build upon, things you need to overcome. That's the first challenge each of us has to look at, which is basically introspection, soul-searching, taking care of and looking after your inner child. The challenge number two, and again, steps, these are steps to greatness, because every one of these is a, is a challenge or even a resistance in a certain way that you need to overcome in order to become a greater person. The second is the challenge of commitment. Sometime in life, we will all be tested. Whether you will live up to a certain standard of virtue or will you compromise yourself. I remember someone telling me after 9-11 with tears in their eyes, so, you know, I had a friend who was killed in 9-11 in the building in the, in the World Trade Center. I was always jealous of him because we had grown up together, went to school together, and he climbed the financial ladder higher than I did. I was always envious of his office, of his influence, of his net worth, and then look what happened. And he said, when we were younger, we were really great friends, but then we started working together, the climate was such where we were basically forced, now I realize I wasn't forced, he said, but I felt I was, to compete against each other. And we actually would undermine each other. And that was served the, the, the purpose of our superiors. And I, and I sold my soul in some ways. So we all will have moments when our virtue, our standards will be challenged. Will you conform Will you compromise yourself and the integrity of yourself and others? Or will you go into the fire, so to speak, for what you believe in? The fire doesn't mean physical fire. It means that there'll be, there may be short-term, you may feel short-term disadvantages, but long-term, far greater. It's like when they say, you may feel better when you're selfish for a moment, but when you're selfless and do something for another, at the moment may be not so comfortable, but long term, you'll never regret it. So we all will have this challenge more than once in life. And that's the challenge of commitment. Now, that challenge comes only when you actually have to pay a price. It's easy to be committed when there's no challenge, when no one's threatening you or throwing you into the fire. No one's threatening you. Will you, for example, turn someone else in to protect your own skin? Or will you, let, will you let someone else take the blame for something you did? So sometimes you do have to pay a price. And that's what we learn from lesson and challenge number two. The price is for commitment. And it could be commitment to your values, a commitment to family, commitment to uh, the pressures of the workplace that will challenge your commitment to your values. And very often we do compromise ourselves. That's item number two, test number two. The next is the challenge of change. We like our comfort zones, but at times it becomes quite clear that you have to make a move. Maybe move to another job, move to another location, move to a higher standard of, uh, of, uh, of uh, living. 
Now, it's not an easy thing to change because when you're comfortable in your homeland, the home of your parents, you don't want to necessarily cut the umbilical cord. But all growth comes when we get that independence. It's true. For nine months, it's healthy to be in your mother's womb, and that's where you're nurtured, and that's where you grow, and that's where you develop. But then they cut the umbilical cord. For early years, formative years, as we discussed, we need to be under the protection of our parents, our homes. But there comes a time you need to leave home. Need to go to school. Need to go to summer camp. Need to go get married and build your own life. There's always risks involved. There's always fears. There's the fear of the unknown. Why would you choose an unknown when you have the known? And this sometimes they say the known evil is better than the unknown. But that's an evil. Even if it, when it's good, it's even better. Things are good. Why would I make a move? But there is the challenge of change where cir- circumstances and the signposts tell you you have to look at this. Now, this needs to be reviewed. Not every change is necessary in life. But when change is necessary and you don't do it, you will not grow. Just like Abraham was told, leave. Now the time has come to leave your past behind. The forces that shaped you till now, even if they were good forces. Especially if they weren't so good. How many of us get, have find it difficult to break a habit, to get out of a routine? These are all the challenges of change. Because our natural tendency is to stick and to gravitate to the status quo. The path of least resistance, as it's sometimes called. But it's critical for growth to be able to move away from that. Is there a risk? There's a risk. But you don't never grow unless you're ready to move to the next level, to climb the ladder, the next leg of your journey. The fourth, the fourth test, the fourth challenge, the challenge of deprivation. When we may experience deep hunger, a famine, may not be physical hunger, could be the hunger for something that we're lacking. And at the time we'll say, why do I have to be deprived? But remember, you don't grow unless you're hungry for something. If you feel all comfortable, you're not going to move. So if you look at hunger in the right way, it's actually a catalyst to catapult you to another dimension. And this hunger can take on many different shapes and forms. And that's where each of us has to apply that to our personal situation. The next, the challenge of sexuality. When part of you, the most intimate part of you, may be abducted or may be compromised, just as Sarah was taken from Abraham. And you feel that your love has been denied and you feel therefore weakened, what will you do about it? Will it break you? So let's say in relationships, you may feel that you're not getting what you need. You may feel betrayed. Not necessarily by the other person, but in general you may not feel it's up to the standard you think it is. Or you may also feel your own inadequacies in this area. So this is the challenge of relationships which touches, of course, our intimate lives. And if there's a challenge there, instead of looking at, oh, how bad this is, what can I do to overcome it? That's what a pioneer does. That's what someone who grows does. They see an obstacle, 
They don't say, okay, I can't move forward. I retreat. Let me figure out how to get around it, how to get over it. How to allow it to actually move me, push me to get to another level. So a challenge in relationships should actually cause the relationship to become a better one. And even even if there is a betrayal, and there is something that compromised it, one of the great lessons in real love is, if you really love someone, you work on deepening the relationship, how to rebuild trust, how to regain confidence. But this, of course, is predicated on a certain level of integrity and commitment to want to make toward this type of growth. The next, up to number six, the challenge of confrontation. The battles that we fight in life. There will always be confrontation. Some people love confrontation. And they actually even provoke. That's not necessarily a healthy thing. Then there are others that retreat from confrontation. They'll do anything in order not to have a confrontation. And they often compromise themselves and others in the process. It could all be in the name of peace. What a church will say that appeasement is feeding the crocodiles with the hope that you will be eaten last. Appeasement in the wrong situation is actually can cause war, not the opposite. So retreating from confrontation needs to be done wisely. Obviously, wherever you can avoid, there's no reason to engage in that way and try to find another resolution. But sometimes someone challenges you. I mean, World War II is the classic example. So, of course, the tendency is to avoid war, to avoid confrontation, but when there is a battle and they're challenging your very values and your family and your country and your peace and everything you stand for, this is a time you have to take on the battle. As minimal as possible. This is not because we're embracing it, but we also don't retreat from it. That's what a pioneer does. That's what a leader does. That when there's a confrontation, you face it, And you do what you have to do. Now this can take on the shape, not necessarily of a battle as in a direct say, it can be something from other people around you, different adversarial elements that happen in life. It could be neighbors, it can be surrounding nations, it can be psychological uh, challenges and fears that we need to overcome. So we don't retreat, we figure out a way how to deal with it. The healthy way to deal with it. That is number six. Fighting those battles. The next is a challenge of suffering. When Abraham hears about the covenant, but he hears also about his children will suffer, there's, none of us are immune to some pain and suffering in our lives. It may be the loss of a loved one, Maybe the loss of a job, maybe illness, maybe economic challenges. It can be internal ones. There are forms of abuse and trauma. But nobody is immune. And this perhaps is one of the greatest tests in life. Because when we suffer, it either brings out the best in us or sometimes the worst. Obviously, the goal here is to bring out the best. As I said, the pressure on the olive produces the oil. Sometimes we describe it like being like a tea bag. You don't know how strong a person is until you put them into hot water. So the hot water can either scald and say, oh, how painful it is, how hot it is, or 
It brings out deeper strengths. And you see, when people suffer, they cry out. We're mortals and we're fragile creatures. They cry out, why? Why me? And they focus, why, why, why? What we should be focusing on, what are we going to do about it? That's the healthy approach. Now that I have it on my plate and I have to face it, what am I going to do about it? And that's ultimately what happens. Abraham accepts the covenant because he knew, yes, his grandchildren will suffer to some extent, but then they will grow into becoming a a great nation and an eternal nation because that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. The more they were afflicted, the Torah tells us, the more they flourished and they thrived. That's why Abraham embraced it, even though he knew it wouldn't always come easily. Number, number eight, the challenge of transformation. This is the circumcision. When Abraham is told, age 99, to circumcise himself, and he said, Do that, through that, you will build an eternal covenant with me. In your very flesh, in your very sexuality, you will create a covenant with God, a bris. This was transforming Abraham to a new type of person. And it was a physical commitment, not just a spiritual one. That's why it was so difficult. The expression is that through circumcision you will walk before me, says God, and become complete. The covenant in your flesh will bond you with me forever. And that's why this became such a fundamental part of Jewish life. But not all of us are ready for transformation. Some will say, you know, I won't be complete. Let me be who I am. Why do I have to go through this pain? So there will be a time in life where you'll be asked to cross over. Are you ready to become a new person? Now, most of us love to hear, of course I love to be new. Experience renewal, experience new levels of growth, conquer new horizons, and so on. But... Are you ready to pay the price for it? That's the question. Of course everybody's ready for the reward. So transformation comes with shedding a layer of skin in order to assume a new layer of skin. Number nine, the challenge of discipline. Very difficult to send away your child from home. But sometimes it's necessary. So so in the name of deep love and spiritual conviction... We can sometimes overwhelm ourselves and those around us. Abraham was the epitome of love. So you can imagine when he sees his son misbehaving or doing things that at this point it was necessary as Sarah told him to send his son and he didn't want to. The discipline within love actually creates deeper love. And by sending Ishmael away, ultimately, Ishmael became a greater person too. His actual name means Yishmakel, that God will listen to him. And he was rewarded for it in many ways. But it's not an easy thing to do, discipline, when you're feeling love. So sometimes when there's love, you have to also measure, and that's the challenge. Is there also a proper measure of discipline that makes sure the love is a healthy one and not just flowing without regulation and without balance and without moderation. Just like water. Rain is a blessing, but if it comes down, floods the fields, it will destroy the fields just like a drought. 
So the challenge of discipline. And finally, the challenge of becoming divine. This is the ultimate tenth test of Akedah. God did not want Abraham to kill his son Isaac, obviously not. And you see then, the story is that wasn't the case. He wanted to see whether the love for Isaac was just human love of a father to biological human love of a father to a son. He wanted to see whether it was the biological natural love of a father to a son or is it infused with something divine. Now every father, every parent loves their child by saying that it's not just because it's your child and therefore you don't want to touch your child. It's your child because I gave you that child as a gift. Which means it's not just on your terms. Look how many parents feel that their child belongs to them. And in that name, they could also end up hurting their child because they say, it's my child and I know what's best for that child. But when you're able to suspend in addition to your natural love, say, one second, I need to know what's good for my child, not just what I think is good, but also what does God think is good? What's the higher good? Maybe my child needs something that I don't fully understand. This is where you turn the human into the divine. That we don't just go with our human instincts, as beautiful as they may be, but you introduce another transcendent element to it. In a sense, it's like sacrificing your way of looking at it and seeing the divine way of looking at it. And that actually transformed the love of his own son into something eternal. Because you can imagine after the Akedah, after the binding of Isaac, and it's interesting, the expression is binding, not killing, not sacrificing, the binding, binding his child to a higher purpose. So afterwards, the love was far deeper. He far more appreciated it. Because it wasn't just because I love my child, but it's also because it's infused with a divine element. So in life there are many times we say, you know what, I'm a good person. I'm doing good things. But we want to be more than just good. We want to be divine. Because good will be as much as you think is good. On your terms. But if you want to take it on a different dimension, you want to turn it into some type of infinite good, that's as you channel something greater than yourself. So that's the challenge, the ultimate challenge, is when we transform ourselves from the human into the divine. Because we each have a divine soul. And we have the capacity to transform ourselves in that way. Basically, turning the mortal into the immortal, the finite into the infinite. And there you have the ten nishenas, the ten challenges, the ten steps to greatness, how to become a pioneer. Think about it. My practical suggestion is look at all these 10 in your own life and see where they play itself out. Maybe today, maybe in time, it may have been in the past. And look at what happened. How did you react? And it's never too late. If you didn't react in the best possible way, you can always look at it again. Some things may be past and you can't do anything about it, but situations will arise. We will all be faced with such 10 challenges and how you deal with them and most importantly, overcoming them will determine the greatness that you achieve. So Abraham, his greatness was not just in his time. He's helping us here now, in our times, in the 21st century and beyond, to become the greatest we can become. You have tremendous potential within you. 
like a reservoir, an endless, bottomless well of treasures. And it's time to access it. I'm sure all of us access it to some extent, but there's always more. So why not become that unique soul, that unique pioneer, that unique leader that you can be? And this doesn't necessarily mean a leader that you have to lead a billion people or a million people. It just means that you have a certain inner confidence that drives your own life, your family, your community. You are contributing, you're giving. And you're giving in this great way that you and only you can produce. This has been Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center. Meaningfullife.com is our website. Please check it out. You can find this and many other programs, a robust schedule of uh, topics that cover the spectrum of life. And I'd love to hear from you. Please share your feedback, your thoughts, your comments, questions. And of course, please share with everyone you come in contact with. Be blessed and be well and be great. Thank you. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.